0: For over 100 years, millions of Canadians have proudly served our country in uniform. All of us benefit from their incredible service and sacrifice. It is our duty to honour and remember them. They have served in many roles, both at home and abroad, from peacekeeping missions around the world to Canada's mission in Afghanistan. They have fought for freedom, helped restore peace and security, and responded to emergencies. They proudly served, and their bravery will never be forgotten. They are our faces of freedom. Simon Mayhew was drawn to the military from a very young age. He was so eager to serve that he tried joining the air cadets at age 11 and was told he had to wait another year. His experience with them confirmed his desire to eventually serve his country. After finishing high school in July 2001, he was accepted to the Collège Militaire Royal in Saint-Jean-sur-Richelieu, Québec, officially joining the Canadian Armed Forces. This would be the beginning of a long career with many challenges and triumphs. Content warning. The following podcast contains accounts and descriptions that some viewers may find troubling. Listener discretion is advised.
1: It always had been a a dream of mine, of course, and and, and to find um, the space for me to grow and, and uh, some people find the military to be uh, some sort of brace that would uh, prevent them from uh, being creative or, or finding their space to be comfortable. For me, it was the contrary. That kind of, of formative years uh, were very helpful in getting, uh, uh, finding my footing, finding my imagination, finding how my leadership could grow and, and uh, you know, and develop itself. So the army became more of a an uh, infrastructure, something I could build on, as opposed to something that was really restraining me. Being in Quebecer, I was always very fascinated by the World 22nd Regiment, the Van Um You know, it, it's a well-known regiment, and being from Quebec City, uh, I saw them everywhere. And you know, I wanted to be one of them. Uh, so, you know, it was a kind of a childhood dream as well to get there. So, joining in the infantry um, was a no-brainer. It's also You know, you see them deployed around the world, you saw them in the news, you saw them doing all that stuff. Uh, So it was encouraging and, you know, I wanted to be part of that.
0: After the terrorist attacks in the United States by al-Qaeda on 11 September 2001, Canada pledged its full support and contributed forces to the international fight against terrorism. More than 40,000 Canadians would go on to serve in the Afghanistan Theatre of Operations, the largest deployment of Canadian military personnel since the Second World War. Six years into his military career, Simon Mayu was deployed to Afghanistan for the first time.
1: It's a change of culture as far away from us as possible. There are very big believers in, in, in Islam, um, but they also have a different culture, a different way of life, and we got to adapt to that. But not to say that they don't have a super interesting culture, super, like uh, th- their food is delicious. They're, 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 they have some poetry, they have some music, but it's very, very different than ours. So for us to comprehend that, it takes a while. Also, Canada Heart City, which was the first city we saw coming out of the base, is a million people size. It's a huge city, it's sprawling, but it doesn't go up, it just sprawls around. Uh, So, culturally, very different country to be in. To this day, I still remember the eyes of the kids. Um, And I have a daughter now who's eight, um, but she doesn't have the same eyes. Uh, The kids over there were five, six, seven years old, and they looked like they were old. Their face was old and their eyes were old. They've seen stuff they shouldn't have seen at their age. Um, so I saw them growing up so fast and, and their uh, prospects of living were very, very harsh, very difficult. So you, can't, you cannot judge them for the way they behave, for the way they are. Uh, they live in very different conditions than we are. Um, that being said, clearly uh, the rights of women over there are, are trampled um, and, and are difficult to keep alive. And it's, it's going to be a constant struggle. But yeah, it is difficult, and to see these things uh, on a daily basis from a Canadian who probably comes from a society that's um, one of the richest we can have in terms of human rights uh, to go to that kind of uh, darker images sometimes it was it was difficult, and we had to talk about it a lot. There were tougher moments, uh, fights, ambushes, uh, but. Usually our soldiers are so good. We managed this quite well and we had overpower uh, in the air. The only way they could hit us and hurt us very badly was two IEDs. And they did that once. Uh, I did lose a soldier, uh, one of my drivers, Simon Lantin, a corporal, uh, to an IED event followed by an ambush that we fought off. But uh, yeah, he uh, unfortunately died during the event.
0: While he faced many obstacles and challenges in Afghanistan, nothing could prepare him for what would happen next.
1: I was uh, in another operation, a night operation, and uh, that's when my my vehicle hit an IED uh, where um, most of the people uh, in the back uh, were either heavily injured or died during the event. So following that, I lost uh, two soldiers. uh, my uh, signaler, uh, Michel Lévesque, and my medic, Nicolas Beauchamp, uh, and our Afghan interpreter, and other soldiers that were quite heavily injured, um, which resulted in our evacuation, um, and uh, but uh, also to uh, uh, amputations for some of us. So the evacuation process, the line for us was from the FOB forwards, where there was a, uh, a doctor there there to patch us up quickly, Black Hawk helicopter evacuation back to Canada or Airfield, where there was a roll tree, which is, is basically a field hospital there. Um, they kept us alive there, and uh, they put veins, tried to save my leg, and uh, the other uh, soldiers that were with me as well. I got pretty much, you know, we stayed there for about four to five days, ready to be evacuated through uh, back to Landstuhl in Germany, which is a U.S. hospital that uh, was built during the Cold War to uh, you know, absorb all the casualties that were to be expected fighting the Soviets. So it's a giant hospital near an airport. So it's quite well prepared for what was good to come, which was all the windows for Afghanistan in Iraq. That's where they had to do the amputation. Um, so on my left leg, uh, through the knee, uh, and to be honest, this, uh, this only, you know, occur- occurred to me uh, by bits and pieces. Uh, I woke up and you know, my memory was kind of in puzzle pieces. I had to put things back together. I had no idea who, where I was when I woke up.
0: He returned to Canada to begin a difficult rehabilitation and adjust to life with a prosthesis. But as far as he was concerned, his business in Afghanistan was unfinished.
1: The mission wasn't over. So the guys were still there, were still fighting them. There were Vendus on the field uh, doing the job and the Canadian, Canadians in danger over there. So the mission wasn't over. Th- th- there's part of that. Part of it was I wanted to kind of show it that like kind of prove myself that I was able to do it now. And there was no better proof, no better fitness test than going back in the box and fighting it out. Nobody can argue after that, that you can't do the job, right? If you look at IEDs, they're not uh, weapons of destruction so much as weapons of fear, right? What they're trying to do there, yes, they cause casualties and some material losses and things like that. Don't get me wrong. But the main weapon it instills on our troops is fear. They don't want to go out. They don't want to step there. They don't know where it is. It's like ma- a minefield. You know you're in one. Where do you walk? You don't know. You don't move. You stay there. That's what they're trying to do with NIAE. Um, so coming back from it, uh, even though you can wound us, but you know, give us a bit of time and we'll, we'll pack up again and we'll, we'll get back in the box. I think, it's yes, it is defeating what they were trying to do to us, not only physically, but also mentally. Uh, you don't break a Canadian soldiers that way for me, it was a victory just to get back, uh, you know, land that foot, that first prosthetic foot on Kandahar Airfield in November of 09, which was exactly 24 months later. Uh, it was a victory for me.
0: Mayu continues to proudly serve today. As he thinks about the future for his daughter, he has a simple message for all Canadians.
1: All we ask for is not the uh, is not a glory and medals. What we ask for is that we just, you know, when when our soldiers make the sacrifice, you know, just remember us. You know, je me souviens is the motto of my uh, is of my regiment. Um, you know, the, the memory you carry of us, it's it's, it's that's, that's all that is for us.
0: And with that. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of the Faces of Freedom podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing through your favourite podcasting app. You can also check out episodes from previous seasons covering a wide variety of stories from generations of Canadians. If you have a suggestion for a guest or story, reach us at Canada Remembers on Facebook and Instagram and at Veterans Affairs Canada on Twitter. Use the hashtag CanadaRemembers to tell us what you think. If you're looking to dig even further into the stories of Canadian veterans, we have a wide selection online at veterans.gc.ca. Thanks for joining, until next time.